0: Welcome to New Kids on the Block, a podcast for newcomers who want to explore blockchains and cryptocurrencies. On this show, we discuss and dissect all things crypto for beginners and intermediate users and help them navigate their way through this fascinating yet overwhelming new space. Let's dive right in.
1: You cannot affect me in my sleep. Upside down. Boy, you turn me inside out round and round that's how i feel ladies and gentlemen uh it has been a very interesting past couple weeks especially if you've been following the market here uh, new kids on the block are here to set you guys straight uh with a new episode this week welcome back everyone you have uh your one of your co-hosts here Fodi uh joined with his colleague Yidu Yidu are you upside down or are you inside out
0: I am uh, slow and steady, sitting on my seat right now. I am just riding this thing out. Ride the
1: wave, baby. Ride the wave. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think,
0: I think uh, this has been obviously a quite interesting week in terms of the the market in, uh, movements. Uh, there's a lot of news to get into, which we will in a second. Um, but yeah, I just want to take a moment to to. You know, tell our listeners that you know what you have seen, experienced this mark, <clears throat> this week. In this, <clears throat> I'm gonna cut this part out. Uh, what we have experienced in this market this week is is quite normal. <laughs> if you're relatively new to the market, don't feel like oh, this is the end of the world. We're we're every everything's going to zero, and you know it's okay if you that if you feel, feel that way. Because I used to when I just got started. But just know that everything is fine. You know we're gonna recover from this, and the future is bright.
1: But Yidu, I don't know what you mean by that because Bitcoin is now not not worth a trillion dollars anymore. So clearly, you must be taking some crazy pills, man. That's all. Everything's over.
0: Bitcoin is under a trillion (laughs) dollars.
1: It's only nine hundred and fifty billion now. I mean, it's outrageous. Um oh no, man, market cap right now, currently. Uh so guys, we're recording Thursday, December 16th, and market cap of Bitcoin is nine hundred billion. So start buying um, you know, gold and bullets, uh, because the end is near. Um, right. My uh am I losing it a little bit or what? What's going on? No, I've been thinking you're
0: at- just you're just playing the the, the 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 bear um role for tonight, which is yeah, just you know we have a little bit about dynamic perma bear versus permeable situation going on here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have some of my investments as well. Um, so for any of any, any listeners that have investments in, in, uh, any high growth tech stocks, Mm. um, they're also kind of taking a bearish look on the world, um, because, uh, well, let's just get into it. You do. I mean, you know, we're two minutes in and we got to talk about Jerome Powell and his flip floppiness, uh, for any yeah. listener that doesn't know, would you educate them on Jerome Powell and why he's important to tonight's episode? Sure.
0: Yeah. Jerome Powell, he is the um, the Fed's chair, chairman, and he is one of the, the key, I would say, um, decision makers in the U.S. Uh, financial and fiscal policy system. And uh, the reason why he'd become uh, very important, especially this week, is there was a Fed Reserve meeting earlier this week. Where um, the U.S. policymakers um, decided to, uh, well, first of all, they laid out the plan uh, for uh, the fiscal policy for the remainder of 2021 and also 2022. And in that plan, they specifically called out a a need to what they call taper tapering. Uh, what tapering is means is the um, the slowing of the the bond buying activities um, by by the Fed, and basically. As we know, you know historically the U.S. has been very, um, I would say, uh, very uh, liberal in terms of the the bonds buying. You know, basically we're printing a lot of money and then we're buying our own bonds uh, to to prop up the market. And that has, you know, obviously negative uh, externalities, um, specifically, you know, from the inflation perspective, right? They used to think, oh, the the inflation is only transitory. That was uh, Jerome's actual words just three three weeks ago and now he's coming on say oh by the way we, we we have to take the transitory out of the word out of the sentence and say you know we are having real inflation right here right so all of that's becoming real it's having a real impact on every every person's life you know we're seeing higher and higher prices when you go to the grocery store everything's getting much more expensive and, you know, the wage is probably not catching up. You know, we're gonna find out very soon how the wage is fair in, in relation to the, the housing prices or in the commodities price. But this tapering mechanism is is allowing the, customer, is allowing the US government to slow down uh, the printing of the money and also the buying of the, the bonds. So effectively, at least in the short run, it's going to hopefully uh, slow down the inflation a little bit. And that also opens the door for raising the interest next year, uh, which is another key point that was mentioned in the address. Um, basically, you know, they're opening up the possibilities of raising interest possibly multiple times next year, um, you know, in order to stimulate the economy. So all of that might sound bearish for Bitcoin uh, to begin with, but interestingly, you know, the market actually bounced from there. And, you know, we can, we can see that very clearly in the charts, you know, once they announced that, you know, they're going to taper this year and then potentially raising interest next year. Actually, the market reacted pretty favorably. Um, I think both Bitcoin and ETH went up, you know, in a short period of time. And, yeah, you know, we can talk about why that's the case. But on the surface, that's what happened this, this week.
1: Yeah. And shout out Jerome Powell, uh, friend of the pod, uh, personal friend of mine, me and him, uh, we have we try and have drinks uh, once a quarter. Uh, and talk about things like this, and you know, when he's he,
0: still coming on the show next time, right? He
1: he he will be. He promised me that he'll be on the show. Uh, it's just a you know, it's a complex time for him. But um, um, shout out yeah. to him. He's a he's a nice guy. Um, but uh, listen, I mean, on a serious note, I this is not a unique thing that the U.S. has been doing, right? So I think um, you know, interest rates. I think the um, uh, Royal Bank of of England also recently raised interest rates by a quarter of a point. Um, like this is having externalities, as you mentioned, outside of just U.S. markets. And I think when we think about kind of the uh, pandemic economics of the world, um, a lot of different uh, countries and 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 um, uh, you know different types of. Um, uh, organizations globally have been investing and in artificially inflating their markets because of the impact that COVID has had. Right. And we're, we're kind of seeing like, it, think about if you right. throw, you know, a rock into a pond and you see kind of the, the little aftershock, the little waves that come out. I mean, we're still seeing this um, iterate throughout the global economy. And mm-hmm. what I'm really curious about now, what I want to hear kind of your thoughts are on, why did the market bounce? Because if the Fed says I'm going to raise interest rates next year, typically that means, you know, it's a bearish outlook, right, on the economy as a whole. But people viewed it relatively positively, and I'm really curious. Um, obviously, it bounced yesterday; yeah. it's back down today. But I mean, why did why did that happen?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really great question, and my personal theory on this is is that this has to do with how the sentiments, in, especially in the crypto market, shift every time there's a major uh, policy decision. And crypto is such a volatile and sometimes bipolar market. And you know sometimes people will react really like wildly against these, um, these news, these federal and government level uh, news. And in this case, I think what happened is that a lot of those news had been priced in before the announcement and a lot of the um the, the negative the bearishness that was coming out prior to the fomc meeting was effectively priced in and by that i mean people are already starting to sell off so if you look at the charts i know we had the big dump last week um which we went went over the, during the last pod but even, even after that major dump last Friday, we're just continuing to see this, this major sell-off, right? Like I think there was like three red candles in a row um, uh, since, you know, early next, last week. So effectively people are already preparing or bracing for some potentially bad news coming out of Fed. But in reality, they, they, the only thing they said is what they expected, which is, you know, we're going to start tapering until March next year, but not raise any interest anytime soon. So really when you think about it, nothing unexpected came out of the FOMC meeting, and the only thing that came out is just a confirmation of what people had already expected, which had already been absorbed in the market.
1: So the FUD is the FUD is out now. The the overall people, you know, no news is good news, as they say, and Mm -hmm. that bounced the market, right? So Yeah.
0: Yeah. Effectively it became like a like a sell the rumor by the news type of thing. And it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, I know, but effectively that's, that's what happened and I'm not going to sit here and complain. And to your point earlier, like how the legacy market has reacted seems to be slightly divergent from the crypto market, um, which makes sense, right? The legacy market is, more, uh, is less reflexive compared to the crypto market. Like people, there are more like big players, institutions, you know, um, who, you know, can... Probably it takes a little more time for for them to react, whereas the crypto markets is very, again, you know, retail heavy. Even if we we have a lot of institutions in cryptos now, it's still very ref, highly reflexive. So people tend to react much quicker and also you know bounce back much quicker, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you would think that due to the fact that people view. Crypto, or at least Bitcoin, as a stored value, as an anti-inflationary mechanism. I mean, you have people coming out left and right talking about it. Um, you would think that it would it would be more divergent from the traditional markets, but I think you know being tied to fiat and traditional type of securities causes you know somewhat of a similar relationship. But um, you know, I think I, or at least what I would hope to see is. Starting tomorrow, something change. I know we're going to talk about that later in the pod, but mm-hmm. um, you know we're we're expecting you know some some shifts to happen. Um, just overall, I just wanted to kind of take a quick look in in the last week um, since we spoke. Um, the biggest um, changes in 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 kind of where the money's been moving in the crypto market. So let me just call out a couple things, and I want you to react if that's okay. Let's do it. Um. So, biggest change in the last seven days is Yearn Finance is up twenty percent. Mm. Um, Avalanche is up fifteen percent. Um, you have Pancake Swap up ten percent. Curve is up six percent. Um, are you noticing any type of relationship there? You do.
0: Um, those are all of your backs.
1: <laughs> How did you know? No, I'm just, no, um, they're they're not all my bags, but they are all DeFi um, right. related. I mean, there are some other, um, you know, coins that are up here. Obviously, um, you know, you have Helium, you have Quant that's back up. Um, mm. Harmony, Harmony's back up, um, but you know, some some of the DeFi making a, a resurgence as the market has been kind of relatively horizontal. For the past couple weeks
0: yeah 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 i think i think that's a, that's a great observation and um i think there are there are some fundamental news that's coming out that's kind of behind those bounces especially with yearn i think they just released um yearn version two uh just today um so that's a big you know bullish news for them and yearn has been for those listeners who are relatively new uh it's one of the og DeFi projects they've been around they threw the DeFi 2020 Summer, DeFi, uh, sorry, it's called DeFi Summer 2020. Um, they were one of the, the the main, I would say, headliners, along with your Aave's and Compound's uh, and other protocols. So the problem with DeFi, um, I guess urine specifically, is their growth has been anemic, to say the least, in the past six months, while all these other layer one chains are just flying, so they really have been left behind in terms of their growth, right? So it's not really that surprising that um, urine has come out and says, hey, we're going to release our version two that's going to try to compete with all these uh, what we call DeFi 2.0 protocols. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, they're going to, to kind of reinvigorate themselves and then um, get back in the game.
1: Yeah, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on here for a second, and mm-hmm. uh, I want you to check me here. We love but, our
0: trans- uh, conspiracy theories.
1: Yes, yes, uh, there is no spoon. So listen, I wonder if the kind of the the stop stop loss, you know, the, the loss harvesting that I think a lot of folks are probably doing, or at least big players mm-hmm. were doing here at the end of the year, especially while the market was down, is kind of starting to turn around and while people are waiting for things to move, they're dumping their money back into um, various staking um, protocols and uh, yield farming, etc. right? On the, on the, on the DeFi oh, yeah. front. So I'm just curious, you know, what, what – and I mean, so I, I've seen a lot of stuff going on. I mean, we've been talking about the DAOs and the, the revolution of the DAOs the past couple of weeks. And some people are completely underwater, right? Um, I think – the greatest thing I learned about those um, protocols, at least the, the Ponzi-nomic types of coins that we talked about, is once those tokens go down in value, people are underwater immediately. Right. right. So if if the if the you know Time Wonderland or Olympus doesn't maintain its its value, um, people that have put a tremendous amount of money in in there to uh, to stake, um, you know, they quickly become underwater. So curious to see. Um, how that market rebounds because it it, it kind of has been a, a good underpinning of liquidity for a lot of these different markets, right?
0: So Yeah, I think you hit hit on something really important there, right? It's the rotation game that's been going on, frankly, for the entirety of twenty twenty one. And especially at the end of the year when, you know, the big players, the hedge funds, they're probably starting to close their books they're going on vacation and they're like you said they're pro- probably harvesting their losses closing the, the trades this is probably the best time for them to you know just close the the, the the lost trades you know they would rather just go to the new year with um opening a new trade rather than holding those money and then for those smaller players um, like retail who were under underwater um in this bull market and which frankly is, it's kind of unfortunate but it does happen um they are probably looking to rotate their funds somewhere else right if they're down 60 percent from a shitcoin they invested earlier in the year probably now is the time to pull out and put that money into something hopefully going to go up in 2022 so the rotation game is definitely happening right now
1: and the only thing i have to say to that is never pull out kids never pull out um, <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I feel personally attacked with the with the shitcoin comment, but you know, other than that,
0: I agree with. <laughs> That's you. what I do. I just come here. and wind you up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I agree with everything else that you had to say. Um, so, uh, my tinfoil tinfoil hat was off. It's it's back on again. Okay. Mm, okay. And now, I have another wild theory. Okay. So. Oof. We've been thinking and we've been traditionally looking at markets in a very cyclical manner, right? And we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, right? Where every four years, this, you know, the crazy bull market happens. Mm -hmm. You know, the havening of Bitcoin and all that causes these astronomical, or at least it correlates with the bull market that's been associated with crypto. And I think I mentioned in a previous pod that personally, I think, we can't really think of this this particular market um, the same way that we did four years ago or two years ago, etc., because of the the state of the pandemic and uh, global macroeconomic conditions and things like that. But what if? Are you still with me? Yeah, I'm ready. What for What if the bull market or the alt run was? all of the nft explosion that happened over the summer and mm. now we are just in a very very slow bearish turn downturn mm. back to the depths and the abyss of crypto what do you think about that my friend
0: well that certainly you're not alone in that camp like first of all i don't i don't, agree with that. I don't think that's the case, but I'll tell you why that, that that merits some considerations. Because if you look at how the market has historically reacted, we had either um, a single top cycle uh, like we did in 2017, or we have a double top cycle as as we did had in 2013. So if you look at the charts for, um, for this year, it really simulates the 2013 double cycle double top cycle where we had one top you know earlier in the year and then later on we had another top which kind of parallels with it so you could i i don't blame you for thinking that way because that's if you look at the chart that's exactly what happened you know this year right you can argue that you know we're we're in this continuous distribution mode you know from the 69,000 top uh a few months ago to Into the Abyss, using your words. So I don't like, but but let me tell you why I don't agree with that. Because the main difference between um, 2017 and 2021 is that A, there's a lot of institutional players right now compared to 2017. And the reason why we had that blow off the top event in 2017 was because it was retail mania. And I can, I clearly remember, you know, literally like everybody was talking about Bitcoin, like CNBC, it was teaching people how to use Coinbase and we're talking about buying a Ripple and saying that Ripple is going to go to a dollar, I don't know, $5, even $10, like all of that retail mania was so crazy. That's why things just went completely bust, you know, towards January. And then from there, it was just a slow grind to, 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 to the abyss but this time is different, in my opinion. And why is that different? You have institution buyers. You have Michael Saylor from MicroStrategy, market buying Bitcoin at from thirty thousand dollars all the way up to sixty five thousand dollars. And you have people like even Tesla, even if they're not really technically buying anymore actively, but they're still holding Bitcoin, right? You have all these institutions, and then you have the ETF. You have the the the, the um the the not the spot based, but the um. The futures uh, ETF, you know, which all of that is is allowing this market to become a legitimate market, and in the sense that you know it's going to continue this grind. Like what we're seeing right now, in, in my opinion, is this this max pain period where, like, some people are trying to to get in; they're, they're waiting for better entry, so they're dumping. But there's also a ton of people who are trying to 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 get in, right? They're they're trying to have a seat at a table but the, the price is too high for them so yeah i mean long story short i i don't i just don't think this is it i don't think i refuse to believe that this is over sorry oh,
1: man that's so cute uh shout out to max payne by the way guy lost his whole family and uh went after a whole gang and was able to cure mm. himself by taking painkillers you can you could literally get shot and a painkiller would cure you fantastic game by rockstar um aside from that though and my random uh, kind of divergences from your very, very uh, intuitive and knowledgeable uh, kind of statements oh, there. Um, I would say, and the only problem that I have with what you said, which I think you kind of started talking about there at the end, is the reason why we typically saw these traditional types of either altcoin runs or uh, you know, um, other types of market runs in the past has been because the retail investors have been flocking in. And as you mentioned, the barrier for entry now is substantially higher because there's a lot of institutional money in the market. So isn't that sort of a a mechanism to stagnate the overall entry into the crypto market? I mean, do folks want to come in and buy, you know, $100 or $150 worth of Bitcoin? Mm. um anymore do they know enough about smaller types of coins that aren't named ethereum right to invest in do they have the knowledge to transfer money onto these alternative exchanges like kucoin or download metamasks so that they can you know exchange onto different uh, you know decentralized exchanges to get some of these smaller cap coins i mean yeah what what's what what are your thoughts on that there i mean
0: yeah let's be honest we're not gonna sit here and pretend that the user adoption for especially retail you know is going well like if anything i think crypto has done a terrible job you know of onboarding new users you know trying to get them to to add not only adopt but also advocate for for the use of crypto like i think we are all at fault for not doing a better job with that and which is why you know the not only the price is is one big factor for preventing users new users from getting in but also the fact that you have to write down a 16 word seed phrase on a piece of paper and then safely store it and then connect your ledger device in order to make a single trade like all of that is stopping people from you know using crypto which is frankly quite disheartening to me right and putting that to aside and i think there's still plenty of of opportunities to grow and i think you know to your point right maybe the users the, the the retail users is not there and if you look at the the bitcoin wallets by the number of bitcoins uh, holdings it's basically a, a whale's game by this point like the retail growth is very minimal and there there's not really frankly a lot not a lot of actions going on you know in terms of the, the main the majors right the your bitcoin and ethereum are pricing people out and the fact that you know ethereum gas fee is extremely astronomically high does not help the case either so i might even start to sound like you now like the way i describe things but um
1: <laughs> i, I got <gotcha>. you <laughs> i got you man you
0: you, you jeta minded me into thinking we should be bearish but no i refuse to do that because i still think we're still we're still early and we were with all these institutional money that's come that's flowing into crypto markets. All I see is, is big players still trying to play the game. If anything, the retail has already front run those institutional or even sovereign States. Um, you're looking at like even El Salvador, like their president is on Twitter, you know, market buying the dip, you know, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, everything, like, I feel like it's going, like it's moving slowly, but in the direction that we want it to go, it's just that the, I don't think that the, the user adoption has been as good as we, we, we want it to be, but I'm not afraid of that because, you know, once the institutions, your sovereign states are in it, the, you know, it's gonna make it so much easier um, to form that that basis, you know, for more broader adoption.
1: Right, yeah, I mean, so, so the the, and, and I can give some inside information because I work in technology and I work in traditional finance, right? So there is a little bit of a rainbow at the end of these dark clouds. And what I can say is that you do see a lot of large, and this isn't like, this is nothing like proprietary. So I'm not, sure. I'm not giving like any crazy information out there, but for folks that may not know, or, you know, average people that may not know, you do have a lot of bigger banks now. Um, You see some of the banks out there. I mean, you know, Citibank, as recently as I think it was last week, just appointed like a new head of digital currencies or cryptocurrencies. You have a ton of new investment that are coming from traditional finance organizations. And there are even startups out there right now that are trying to marry together or provide a service for banks so that their customers. Interesting can actually invest in decentralized finance, which is a really, really interesting development, right? Because yeah. even traditional banks now want to offer that. I'm sure if they, as long as they can take a cut, right?
0: Mm. <laughs> For the yeah, they capital. all want a, a piece of the pie.
1: Yeah, everyone wants a piece of the pie. I mean, listen, there's, uh, I think, and I don't know where I heard this, so keep me honest, but I think there's like 1% of the world that has like a crypto wallet address, right? So like- yeah the barrier for entry is very high but i mean Mm -hmm. even if you add another one percent that's a tremendous amount of uh additional capital that's coming into the market right and if you have these big players like traditional banks um that are creating services that will allow them to go through secure banking api gateways and things like that so that they can actually hit decentralized exchanges and can do staking and can store their cryptocurrency in a custodial wallet that your bank actually owns, mm. um, you know the, the the whole game will change, right? So,
0: hundred oh, percent. Yeah, yeah. I so, think but, I think you just described like the ideal state. Well, maybe not ideal state in a crypto person, but like in the, in the average person's perspective, like they can take advantage uh, of all the the crypto gains or the high APYS, but also have the assurance of a traditional banking system. Well, so.
1: yeah, so so here's the, here's the deal, right? Like the dichotomy of the crypto world is that people don't want banks to have anything to do with this shit, right? They want a completely decentralized world. And at the same time, they want to be really, really cheeky, smart, little son of a bitches that have millions and millions of dollars and are sitting on Lambos. And mm-hmm. the only way that that happens and adoption gets better is either a decentralized world of cryptocurrency comes together and provides services and products that, that make it less volatile and more safe for the average investor to come in and play around in the sandbox. Or you get institutions that a majority of people in the world use today and trust with their money to invest for them in those markets, right? Which one to you sounds more likely? That wasn't that wasn't rhetorical. Like, which one do you <laughs> sounds more likely? I I think yeah, definitely.
0: I think the banks definitely will play a role in all of this. And the way I I think about it is almost like the ideal state is like a um like a mullet. Like basically, you have um your traditional, um banking in the front, and then you have your Degen DeFi in the back, right? So it's like this weird combination of like traditional banking in combination with um your with your uh, defi uh, farming yield farming on the back end supporting it because the current the way we i currently use defi is it's not sustainable it's not like user friendly enough to to teach to my um 60 year old mom or, you know, teach to like a kid, you know, who, maybe a kid who just, you know, great graduate from college can can learn that quickly. But it's not going to help your average um, banking users it's
1: or people with money, right?
0: True. Yeah. People
1: would have money. that. So, yes, I just want to make a comment that we, uh, you know, have so far said uh, never pull out. And uh, we're talking about mullets. So <laughs> come for the knowledge and stay for the nonsense. As I say, we're uh, we're doing well. Um, OK, so I, I mean. Last thing I wanted to say is that, um, you know, on this topic is that I think some of the technical analysis on Bitcoin looks rather bullish. Um, so the RSI and the stochastic RSI are like really, really low right now for Bitcoin. Um, and even with it being really low, I think we're still seeing some positive metrics. Um on the um, on, on some of the various different uh, indicators that we see on on, on the charts. Um, a right. lot of Bitcoin is being pulled off of exchanges um, still. Mm-hmm. Um, so just you know last little comment I guess on um, what you're thinking about about Bitcoin at least in the next uh, you know the coming months.
0: Yeah I mean the crazy thing about all of this this dump that we've had in the past two weeks is that it did not, Really impacts the long term picture of Bitcoin. Um, If you look at one of the key measures for that is uh, you look at the simple uh, moving average. Uh, Usually there are two main indicators. One is 50 day SMA and then 200 day SMA. And I'm looking at this chart here. Like we barely touched on the 200 day SMA, which is the the slow moving SMA, and it was we're tapping it at 46k right now. Like we've been we've been going. Bouncing, you know, up and down for the past seven days now. Like traditionally, if you know, when you, whenever you hit the the 200-day SMA, that's an indication of um, mean reversion, right? You're reverting back to the mean, and now it's time to go back to where you wanted to go next. So remember the the crazy dump we had last Friday. We basically wicked below that. What I think it was 46k at that time SMA. And then just quickly uh, retrieve above it and then now we're just bouncing above it you know usually that's a good pretty good way of of telling you know where the market is going like we know we're in mean reversion state but if this thing wants to keep go up now is the time to to get in and then go back up so like i said overall i'm still i'm not concerned with overall structure like it might look a little bit scary um but if you zoom out we're still remaining, we still have the, the remaining structure intact.
1: Right. And just for folks that don't know really quickly, the SMA is a simple moving average. So it's just an indicator, a uh, technical indicator that can aid in determining whether or not, you know, a price will continue to move in one direction or the other. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. the electric bear. So, Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, w- I'm with you there. I think, I think there's still cause to, to view this, um, um, you know, rather bullish. Um, so let's quickly just talk about tomorrow.
0: Mm. What's happening tomorrow?
1: Dun, dun, dun. So, you know, I mean, it's, this has been a tinfoil hat episode, right? <laughs> so, you know, the, tin, the tinfoil hat says that on December 17th, every last couple of markets, something crazy has happened. Right. Either we've viewed it as a local top or it's been kind of the reversal into, you know, a a bearish downtrend or the market's gone back up. Right. On December 17th, like clockwork every almost every year. So what the hell is going to happen tomorrow? And do you have any fond memories of December 17th?
0: You know what? Now that you mention it, it starts to give me flashback from four years ago. Um, I think it was December 2017 when it was my first, very first cycle. You know, like every other newbie, I did not I did not know what I was doing. So obviously, uh, I got it around like October, maybe even November-ish. And I just saw this crazy run-up for both ETH and Bitcoin. And uh, I just decided, hey, I need to get in, you know, I need to get in on this. Um, And I had heard about Bitcoin for a very long time, but I never, you know, really participated. But that was the moment that got me into it. And I decided to participate and invest. And I remember clearly that at some point in December 2017, I was trying to buy more Bitcoin. Right. But I was I was running low on on cash and I was very, very poor, you know, like a secondary citizen in my previous job so i did not you know have a lot of cash laying around so i'm like okay well, how do i find more cash to buy more bitcoin and then i remember i had you know when i came to the u.s i, I had a bunch of you know chinese yuan you know stashed in my place so i just basically dig through my my whole um, drawers and find those chinese yuans and I, I i made a run to the bank and i went to the bank and then i exchange those chinese yuan into us dollars and then put them into coinbase and then bought more bitcoin so that's how crazy i was back then and you know that's the type of retail maniac maniac we're talking about talking about
1: yeah yeah that's also that's not only not only is that hilarious but it, it 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 reminds me why um uh, you are so much smarter than me because while you were buying Bitcoin, I was FOMOing into the market in 2017 to buy XRP. <laughs> okay, and not only, not only, not only was I buying XRP for myself, but I was telling everyone in my family to buy XRP because you,
0: you were you were in the XRP army I back was, in 2017.
1: I was an XRP like you know that that was like I don't know where I heard it from, but I heard it. You know, right. I told everyone to buy XRP. I remember even my cousin, uh, you know, ended up buying it. I had to kind of walk them through how to... Back mm. then, Binance wasn't disabled in, in New York where I live. So right, it, was like, right. it was an easy way to get on there, just transfer some money. And we were converting Bitcoin into XRP. I shit oh you God. not. I shit <laughs> you not, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I was doing while Yidu was ch- ch- exchanging his yuan for uh you know cash to buy bitcoin i was the idiot that was converting bitcoin well, to, to,
0: to be to be fair i also bought cardano at a time so just to make you feel a little bit better so bitcoin was not my only purchase
1: uh yeah that doesn't make me feel better because i bought cardano very recently <laughs> i mean like you know what's wrong with me i mean i uh, i think yeah. i think some of the best investments i've i've made have just been uh you know like uh what do they call those remora fish? You know, like uh-huh. like that the hang off the bottom of a shark. Like I just, you just buy things, and I just like sit there under you, just like waiting for <laughs> you to pounce on something, and I scoop up the rest. Yeah, that's that's my investment strategy, ladies and gentlemen. That is how I'm. Oh my god! Money.
0: But uh, but that does you know give me some some good memories here. Like I'm I'm very much remiss uh, reminiscing of those days when I was just like fomoing into things, like whatever was available on Coinbase. There weren't many coins available back then. Keep in right. mind, right? This is not like your your Binance where you have like a, a laundry list of coins you can buy into back then. And back in 2017, there were only four coins on Coinbase. There's Bitcoin, there's um, Ethereum, there is Litecoin, and then I think there's XRP. That's it, right? There might be a few other coins which I can't remember anymore, but like you really don't have so many coins you can buy into. So whenever you feel like buying something, it was only one of a few of those options. And, you know, it just makes you, I guess, I don't know. You feel like you're FOMOing. You're always like, whenever I remember, like whenever I get like a paycheck, I would put like 30% or even 50% into it. And I did not know what I was doing. You know, I, I didn't know what DCA was. I didn't even know like, you know, what's, what's, what technical analysis is. And all I did was just literally mindlessly, buying into shit like that shit coin sometimes but you know in the end it all i think it all kind of worked out i didn't get blown blown out you know fortunately Uh, i didn't margin trade back then um i just you know basically was market buying (laughs) bitcoin and and eve and some other smaller coins um along the way so maybe maybe it's all part of the plan
1: Yeah, well, I fumbled into something last night, and we're going to talk about it on The Mm -hmm. Rising Stars. That is the next thing that's coming next. So let's get into it. Next segment of the show, The Rising Stars. Okay, so let's talk about, I guess, the first um, rising star um, that I want to talk about, which is... Um, the one that I didn't FOMO into, which was, um, UFO gaming. So Hmm. you do, are you familiar with UFO gaming?
0: I am not educate me.
1: Okay. So UFO gaming is a fully decentralized gaming platform. Um, that's, that's, you know, it's a play to earn type of gaming, um, platform. And when I was, um, when I was looking into it, um, you know, there's, there's this one influencer who. You know, I'm, I'm much smarter now about listening directly to influencers about things. But he had told folks about this a while ago. He's this guy named uh, Cousin, Cousin J Jay or J Jay Biz Athletics, if you're familiar with him. And he's like this 21-year-old kid who's like a multimillionaire, right? And he doesn't do any type of podcasting or influencing. Actually, his only influencing is like him chilling on yachts and stuff. And he just tells people what he's buying. So I, you know, I thought that's pretty cool, but I was like, "Eh, I don't know too much about UFO gaming, Um, but they have like, you know, a metaverse. They have an they have a whole ecosystem um, where they're they're, you know, bridging NFTs. They have an NFT marketplace, all this stuff. They have a play to earn game that's out there. Um, And, you know, they're they're currently in beta. So I'm like, okay, they're in beta. Why the hell would I buy this? um and then i look at their market cap so if you go to coin market cap and you look at ufo gaming um their market cap currently is 825 million dollars so i'm like pretty small right that's pretty small but it's not like super small i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's small but it's i mean it's almost a billion um, dollars for for one of these gaming types of you know and and just in general if you're trying to 10x or 20x or 100x your money i mean you know you really got to be a speculator out there right um at times uh looking at really really low market caps and market cap is is a part of the game um mm-hmm. but ufo gaming along with their kind of you know social gaming they, they've been blowing up all over the place they've only been available on maybe like gate io and they have um uh, They have a wrapped ETH pool on Uniswap. But what happened today, um, KuCoin announced that uh, tomorrow they are going to be listed on KuCoin. And with that came a 30% pump and a 200% trading volume increase. They did over 37 million today in trading volume, and they're up over 30%. So their market cap yesterday was about 600 million um and they're already up to 825 and i suspect they're gonna pump even higher so ufo gaming out there if you're looking at fomo do your own research do um you know uh, not financial advice but uh one of the rising stars and projects that i've been looking at i
0: i feel like that that's kind of the um the the exchange listing effect for these Mm -hmm. smaller cap coins like once once they get listed not even on the, the bigger exchanges, right? Like on the smaller, like you mentioned, KuCoin and Gate.io um, and Bitmarch, you know, like these smaller exchanges, you know, whenever they list these small cap coins, they give them a big bump, you know, in terms of the price actions. And, you know, not to mention, you know, if they go on Coinbase or Binance, that's an even bigger um, pump and recognition of, of, of those coins. So... Yeah, I'm not surprised that you know they got a big jump in the, in the past f- few days. So yeah, I'll definitely keep an eye out for UFO gaming.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the truth is out there somewhere. So um, what is one of your rising stars for this week?
0: Yeah, I only have one. Uh, I've been kind of busy this week, but I did have some chance to look into this soccer um, blockchain game called Meta Soccer. And um, the reason I brought it up is uh, you and I, we both love soccer or football as they call it in the UK. (laughs) And I think with, with Ted Lasso, you know, soccer has just become so popular in the U S these days, you know, with like the premier league, you know, many other leagues being broadcast here in the U S
1: it's the fourth most popular sport now in the U S oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, it's it's a great sport, you know, I'm, I'm a fan and, I think this game is particularly interesting because it is not, it is not the first ever um, blockchain based um, soccer game or um, fantasy football game in this case. But what's interesting about it is that it is a very, it's a highly sophisticated game. The game mechanics are very sophisticated and it's almost similar to like football manager, like the game we play used to play on PC back in the days Um, You know, obviously, you know, you can like create your own players and there's like a a, a kind of a bonding mechanism to for the yields. And um, but from the game mechanics perspective, like everything is is an NFT. So you basically for each individual player you own, you have your own NFT. And in order to discover that player, you need to hire some scouts. And those are NFTs in themselves as well. So in order to, to find better players, you need better scouts um, you know, with, with better ability to, to find the next hidden gem. So that's kind of their, that, that's where the game is right now. You're basically buying the, the scouts to, to unearth your next hidden gem. And once the game is fully online, it will uh, allow you to assemble your own team. And uh, there's various aspects for each individual player, depending on whether they're a forward, a midfielder or defender. Uh, There are separate uh, traits, or um, I would say um, attributes, which are associated or unique to each position. And um, if you have a player, let's say a a, a forward uh, who has uh, like super great pace, obviously that's going to be very helpful for them in, in game um and yeah i mean it seems to be based on my research so far it's it's going to be a very interesting blockchain based um soccer game it's going to be based on on polygon uh which means um the gas fee is going to be pretty low or mini school so yeah I'm, i'm very much look forward to it
1: and does this have anything to do with peter mccormick uh, you know buying a soccer
0: team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're, we're planning to touch on that. Uh, not really. Um, Peter McCormick for, for those listeners who are not familiar, he is a big uh, Bitcoin podcaster. He used to be a Bitcoin Maxi or Bitcoin maximalist, but he's become more like I would say um, open-minded in recent years. And the big news coming out this week is that he just bought his hometown team. I think it was called Bedford FC um and his his plan is to you know transform his team into a bitcoin team and then trying to elevate them from the lower league i can't remember which even division they are in right now but maybe like the 7th or the 8th division he's trying to bring them up all the way to the premier league in like 10 years
1: yeah it says here that they are in the uh outskirts of bedford in the seventh division
0: seventh division yeah that's Uh, that's pretty much like non-league
1: div one yeah yeah so right
0: i think it will take what like if you do like really well i think i'm trying to think of you probably know this better than i do like when was the last team that did like double promotion like years in a row was it like Brentford, or probably maybe like, Brentford, yeah, probably right. Brentford,
1: which is an English Premier League team, mm-hmm. now, yeah. But. yeah.
0: So he's, he's, he's trying to replicate Brentford's success by you know bringing this team from the lower league all the way up, and he's also trying to uh, educate every team member about Bitcoin, like he's trying to really use Bitcoin as leverage to uh, not only raise more money but also like educate the mass and hopefully will will help the team compete uh, authentically on the field
1: yeah just pump some bitcoin into their uh, into their computer chips <laughs> right, in the back right. and, you know just power them up put the battery in the back as they say yeah um yeah. speaking of polygon though since this runs on polygon i want to talk mm-hmm. about my next rising star which is nftb are you familiar with nftb <laughs>
0: yeah i i do have heard of nftd um i sorry nftb and i understand it, it is a a um kind of a nft platform which is going to allow users to to lend and um getting yield from their nfts is that is that right
1: yeah exactly so it's an interesting interesting concept um it has you know concept of launch, launchpad swaps DeFi instruments a marketplace and they're planning to kind of marry that together now, the interesting thing about it is that it's going to be multi-chain. So they're going to support Binance Smart Chain or BSC, the Cardano, ooh, uh, and then also <laughs> Polygon and Solana. Um, so, you know, it will be able to bridge together kind of a this this marketplace where you can do interesting things um, on that marketplace. I, full full disclosure, FOMOed into this last night mm. um, while it was kind of pumping a little bit, but interesting thing about it is that the market cap is only 35 million um Mm. the fully diluted market cap is over 300 million Mm. so you know we're it's at about a 10 percent of the circulating supply currently um and if you look at similar types of tools that are out there there's no reason why something like this can't 10x or even five you know 5x 10x to to get up to 100 million in market cap right Um, especially as it you know you know gets gets towards its um it's you know more more fully baked out release right so
0: yeah yeah i I do like the fact that they're multi-chain uh i think that's going to be very important uh in this market because you know i do believe it's going to be a multi-chain world Mm-hmm. Ethereum is not going to dominate everything. Yep. Um, we do need to have like smaller chains to support. You know, speaking of growing the user base, user adoption, multi-chain is going to be instrumental for that. And I'm looking at their um, tokenomics here, as you mentioned, that they are a relatively small market cap. Thirty nine million seems minuscule, you know, in the grand s- scheme of things. And um, circulating supply, they have about hundred seventy million tokens. Um, within the total supply of um, 994 million so there's not a lot of circulating supply out there um, which could be a good thing um, because basically it seems like they're not emitting their coins very quickly uh, which kind of controls the price um, a little bit so yeah i mean i'm definitely i've been keeping an eye on, on this for a while i do think the kind of the financialization of nfts could be the next big thing, right? Like we're already talking about fractionalizing NFTs, but you know, what about lending and borrowing? What about like DeFiing? What about doing DeFi on top of NFTs? What about you know using NFTs as collateral to borrow money so that you can fund your own purchase so that you don't have to sell your favorite um board ape or crypto punks, right? Yep. So all of that is I think it's happening. It's growing and yeah, I'm definitely excited for this project myself.
1: Yeah, and they're ta- so like they they compare them comparing themselves to Rarible, OpenSea, Nifty Gateway, etc. They're yeah. claiming, you know, multi-chain support, which none of those other marketplaces provide. Right. The cost to transact is under a dollar. The energy consumed to mint an NFT on their marketplace is substantially less, you know, from a green perspective than any of those other marketplaces. They provide certificates of authenticity, which only super rare out of the other, you know, main market, you know, NFT marketplaces provides multi-language support and direct charity integration. So mm-hmm. they'll allow you to at the end of the year when you are getting towards tax season, you don't have to loss harvest. You can just donate, right, to get some tax benefits back as well, right. which is super, super cool. And it's a project that I'm really interested in. I'm probably going to DCA into it over the course of the next couple of months, um, they, they had their investment, they're on multiple, um, you know, uh, centralized exchanges now. Right. So, right. um, yeah, really interested. Yeah. I, I
0: think I, I might just to, you to know, myself after the show.
1: You say this every week, but you never do it. You, know? <laughs> you, you just, you just fly to the listeners and I'm just here hitting you up. Like, what are we buying this week? What are we buying? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, cool. Um, so, uh, those are the rising stars. I think we are almost an hour in. So I guess in, in closing here, is there anything else you wanted to touch on this week, you do
0: not much, I I guess just to close it off. I think, you know, I know we, we had some exchanges in terms of, you know, how, how should we think about this market? And, um, I would say whatever happens, like always try to keep a clear head, like don't um, and I, I'm guilty of this myself, like sometimes I spend way too much time on the market, you know, observing the market and basically like overinvesting myself. And crypto is is a long game, right? Like it's it's 24 seven, it never sleeps. So make sure you get enough rest. Make sure you don't drive yourself crazy over some wild price fluctuations in the short run. You know, when you feel down, you feel you feel under the water. Um, zoom out. You know, just think to yourself, what's going to happen five years from now? Is this investment still going to be good five years from now? Right. So think about that way. That's going to make you feel better and make sure you're, you know, always healthy, but also mentally, but also physically.
1: Yeah. The way I see it, if you want the rainbow, you got to put up with the rain. And um, that, of course, mm. was said by the great Dolly Parton, um, some of the, the most famous uh, uh you know, celebrity jugs out there um, of all time and, you know, live that guys. And um, yeah, exactly what you do said. Don't listen to anything that I said tonight and listen. to everything that said. <laughs> um, So that'll be it for us. Uh, we will catch up with you guys. If anything crazy happens, um, you know, we'll try and get out some bonus episodes. The schedule has been a little tough with the holidays over here in the U S but uh, as always uh, be safe out there. Space Cowboys. See you next week.
0: All right. Keep it cryptic. Bye guys.
1: What is on the street you found someone? I guess now it goes to tone.